Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, mercy, and peace again. As your grace abounds to us every day, we are grateful for your mercy to help us in our needs today. May your transcending peace calm us to focus on you as we meditate your word with the Holy Spirit. In the name of a blessed dream Redeemer, we all pray. Amen. Let's read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myth and endless genealogies such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they are so confidently affirm. After the warm and heartening greeting yesterday, Paul immediately goes to address the main task of Timothy's troubleshooting work at Ephesian Church. Here in 1 Timothy, Paul skips the usual thanksgiving and starts to instruct Timothy how to counter the troublemakers. Verse 3, Paul told Timothy, you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. Although these false teachers were not uh, named in the letter, everyone knew who they are. And actually, verse 20, later Paul named two of them. Among them were Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Okay, what's wrong with them? Verse 4 showed that they devoted themselves to myths and endless genealogies, promoting controversial speculations instead of advancing faith among God's people. These people were deeply interested in some parts of Old Testament, which is full of genealogies, and then out of which they made a myth. And Jewish tradition, such as a book of Jubilee, a uh, book written about a century before uh, Christ, they have a full of uh, allegorical uh, meanings, creation of uh, stories of uh, those uh, obscure people in the book, uh, genealogies in the book of Genesis. And the Jewish people uh, during the intertestamental period, time period between Old and New Testament, uh, when they were spread all over the world, they were influenced by the Greek culture and the Greek reading of the literature, which we call it allegorical reading. So many, Greek, uh, many Hebrew writers, they wrote their stories with this kind of allegorical method. And one of the famous ones is a biblical antiquity of a Philo. And they talks about the allegorical interpretation of the stories of the Bible all the way from creation to uh, uh, Moses or uh, King Saul. So according to Paul, Pauline scholars, some of the Ephesian elders were part of this unhealthy Jewish teaching. And these errant elders 
There were not Judaizers like those in Galatia. Remember, they taught salvation by obedience to the law. But they simply want to go deeper into the scripture and they want to go beyond the simple exegesis of they want to go beyond the simple exegesis of Paul. So they want they want, they claim that we have a real stuff. Paul is just a beginning. And there's such an attitude. It's not denying the gospel, but they're smothering the gospel, the focus of the real truth. So instead of their unhealthy, unprofitable study of the scripture, today Paul called Timothy what to focus on. And here we see the three interconnected themes of a, a themes, which is a truth, faith, and love. These are the trinity of a Christian living. Just like a trinity of a faith, hope, and love in 1 Corinthians, Paul brings out slightly different version of a trinity of a Christian living in truth, faith, and love. So we will look at them. First, the truth. Paul emphasized the doctrine, sound doctrine, in Greek, didaskalia. And he repeated the word doctrine seven times in the first Timothy. And later, you know, First uh, Timothy three fifteen, Paul said, "You will know if I'm delayed. You will know how to how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is a church of a living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth, or the doctrine." There is a dynamic connection between our truth and then our doctrine and the way we live. This truth is directly opposite to much contemporary Christian thinking. Often today we hear people say, we don't need more doctrine. What we need is a practical teaching or preaching. I must agree that teaching and preaching is very important, but we must remember there is a connection between doctrinal and practical. What we know and believe has everything to do how we live. Doctrine is a heart of a Christian living, and I might say, heart of a practical Christian living. One of the unique features of Christianity is, is a focus on doctrine. No other religion have a, such an intense doctrinal focus like a Christianity. Buddhism was not doctrinally oriented at all. Judaism, they have only one doctrine, one major doctrine, Shema, you know, here in Israel in Deuteronomy 6.4. Islam, they fought each other, but it's about the rightful heir of Mohammed, about who gets the power and authority. Whereas Christians, we fought about every truth about God. Christians forgave their persecutors, but when it comes to heretic, there is no mercy, because the truth is a matter of life and death. So I, so I really hope that later, you know, everybody study our Good Shepherd College, our junior year, you know, you can take the systematic theology class with me because I really, you know, for me, theology means life. Because the more we know God, the more godly we become. Let me ask you this question. Do you love God now? Will you love him less if you learn more about him? Absolutely not. You will love God more. The more you learn of His attribute, His holiness, His grace, mercy, His love, the greater will be your grasp of His character, the closer to Him 
you will draw. The greatest need of church today is not less doctrine, but more doctrine about God, about salvation, about ourselves, about character, about church, about family, about the world. Our greatest need is to know God better, and we can do only from His Word. Now, Paul says this truth is supposed to advance God's work, which is a faith, in verse 4. And uh, uh, NIV kind of misses the nuance. ESP actually captures better. ESP said, these people, uh, 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 ESP said that it's supposed to, they, uh, their, end, their myth and endless genealogies promote speculation rather than stewardship from God, that is by faith. Stewardship from God, that is a faith. So for us, faith is what God entrusted us. Because the faith comes from God's truth. And from God's truth, we receive the faith as a gift. And here, once again, the faith and truth goes together. For us, though our life and the Word of God are inseparable. I must say that our house church is not just one of the many practical small group programs. Actually, anybody tried a house church? Actually, our earlier days of our church, it's not practical, it's so hard. You know, a few days ago, I heard about a young church like ours, which experienced a major uh, growth in the last three years. And they now struggle mightily because their small group ministry is going nowhere and leaders are quitting and then burnout and all this. And I really felt for that church when I heard the story. And if the pastor asked me my opinion or my you know, recommendation, you know what I would say? It's all about living biblical life versus your version of a Christian life or church life. So, you know, faith and truth, learning and living goes together. And finally, verse 5, truth and faith point out one thing that is love. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and good conscience and sincere faith. Love described here comes from dynamic, another triple inner work of a, uh, of a heart, conscience, and faith. A pure heart. First, pure heart. That reminds us of a Jesus' beatitude. Blessed are the pure in the heart, for they shall see God. Blessed is a heart that is a pure because by the pure means focusing on God. As a Kierkegaard said, the purity of a heart is a will, one thing. That one thing is worth our focus is God. And the Old Testament is full of a, such a you know, heart connection to God. Psalm 86, 11, David said, Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name. I love that one. And now, second, the conscience, the good conscience. The essential meaning of a conscience is an inner awareness of a quality of one's action. Simply put, good conscience means self-honesty. Self-honesty. And in the Bible, it is 
It sends the inner more this inner moral approval from God and God's people. So good conscience, it, it is connected to, is a joy, and love for others, joy from God, and that it extends the love to others, and then finally the faith, sincere faith, literally means faith without hypocrisy, faith, and this faith naturally joins with the love. And in the Paul's you know, letters, pastoral letters, 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, this coupling of faith and love appears eight times. Again, faith and love, or faith and work in the James word, is go together. You know, John Piper said the love is overflow of joy in God, which gladly meets the needs of others. Let me repeat, the love is an overflow of joy in God, which gladly meets the needs of others. Love in scripture is not a weak emotion. Love is as strong as a death. It's a jealousy unyielding as a grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame, according to Song of Songs. Theologically, love is a fulfillment of the law. Paul said in Romans 13.10, The heart of the two great commandments, loving God and loving our neighbors. And love is a divine, is a, is a, uh, is a motivation force in God's sending of his Son and our Savior's death for us and our ultimate sacrifice to him. So, truth, faith, love, this is what God called us to live every day, especially as a people of God. Let us live today in truth, by faith, and for love. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for revelation of your truth in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your gift of our faith, and we thank you for your call of love. We couldn't love anyone, including ourselves, properly without your truth and without your love. For us, truth, faith, and love all point out to you and your heart. So help us not sell the truth short. Help us never take a faith for granted. Help us seek love as a goal of all learning and living. May our day today, our life today, reflect what we believe in you. In your holy triune name we all pray. Amen.